Oh, and if it's not too late and it's not tempting fate, Happy New Year. Welcome to the New Year's Resolutions edition of It's Your Money from Mayor Brownsword. I'm Money Apprentice Andrew Harrison, and I'm here with Andy Mayer, the Yoda of personal investment and financial planning. Hello, Andy. How are you? Good evening. Good evening. It feels like good evening because it's so dark outside. Twenty twenty one. Yes, absolutely. And already, I'm wishing the afternoon into the evening. I know, I know. So, did you manage to relax over Christmas, despite you know COVID and Brexit and Mrs. Brown's boys on the telly every five minutes? Did you manage to recharge yourself? Yeah, I did recharge until Celtic lost to Rangers, and that sort of put me a bit flat. But other than that, it was a lovely break. There you go. Permanent state of anxiety. So. We thought we'd start the podcast, the, the first one of the year, by suggesting some financial housekeeping for January, because it's January. Why is now a good time to, to think about this, Andy? I think January, everyone makes their resolutions. I always do, whether it's personal or financial or business. And I think it's a really good time to, when you've had a break over Christmas and we've got through, hopefully, the worst of COVID, but to start the new year with some goals and aims do you think will help you financially it is supposed to be the most depressing time of the year but i mean i suppose what with covid every time is the same now so it doesn't really make any difference does it so listeners should probably get their pens out as we go through some some ideas of what of what you can do this january one thing you keep telling me andy is is just to keep thinking about this do you have enough income or capital to retire happy uh, h- how does one ascertain that is, is there a rule of thumb is there a way of thinking yeah this is i'm, I'm on course here I think it it's each person is different what you want and what you need but the sort of if you'd got a hundred thousand pound Andrew you can get a four percent return four thousand pound a year for the rest of your life and it'll never run out of money if you've got a hundred thousand pound and you want to take six thousand pound a year it'll run out between 20 and 30 years so you've got to look at what pot you want to get to because everyone's living expenses whether you live in London or Liverpool are different and the cost of living can vary and what people want to do. So it's about what income needs you need to replace when you either stop working or Sunok stops giving you money. So what, what if, if you've got a bit of spare time in January or a bit of, sort of isolated away from the pressure of running up to Christmas, what should you do? Should you be sitting down and sketching out a vision of where you might be and uh, at whatever point you want to retire? Yeah, I think that's the first starting point, I always think everyone insures their house. Everyone insures their pet. Everyone insures their car, but no one ever insures themselves. So your first starting point is if you got ill long term, could you actually afford to keep going into your pensions? Could you go into your ISAs? So it's to look and say, if COVID is here for a while and somebody got the long-term impact of, say, the long COVID and you couldn't work for six months or 12 months, how would you survive? So that's your starting point. Look at and go, do I have protection either through my company scheme or individually? And then you start going, right. What does pension, what does my retirement look like? And I think there's two levels of income needs we all have, Andrew. One is what do you need to live on at 67? So food, gas, heating. And then what she desires. What the things when the world gets back to normal? You might want to eat out once a week, go to the movies once a week, go to the theatre, go to the cinema. You might want to travel. And then you budget for them. But there's two levels of needs. What is your basic level of needs and what's your desired? And I think that, again, will vary from person to person. I'd still like to go, when I can, back on my sports trips. So thing one and two to write down is, first up, kind of work out exactly what sort of shape of retirement you want. Yeah. And then work out how, how the pot is going to uh, is going to fit into that. And one part of that, obviously, is state pension. Yeah. It, you know, is state pension going to make a meaningful contribution to, to live on? It, realistically, is anybody going to be able to expect to live on a state pension, do you think, if they're retiring in 
five, 10, 15 years time. I don't think it's enough to live on, but I think it's a really good starting point because what people find is if they've got a full state pension and their partner's got a full state pension, you can have close to £20,000 coming into the house. So what right. that gives you, if you've got no debt, then you've got a starting point of £400 a week coming in and then everything else on top should be a bonus. But if you haven't got the full state pension or you are single or you have got debt, that can mark, that can make a massive difference. and It might not be anywhere in no, near enough for you to live on. Right. So how, how do I go about working out what I'm likely to get? The best thing you can do is you go to what they call the you go on the website on the, on the website and it's the BR19. The way I remember it is British Rail 19. So you go <laughs> on. Well, it takes me back for, to when I was for your younger listeners. Yeah, for the, yeah, for the older listeners they'll remember what British Rail was like and 19 because it was I think it was the average time that the train was late 19 minutes. <laughs> but if you go on the BR19 it gives you a state pension forecast. And you can write or you can write to the DWP and get a more accurate forecast. But it gives you a forecast of what you're likely to receive at 67. Now, that's assuming state pension age stays at its current boundaries. Do you think this, the triple lock is going to stay? Because this has been an article of faith for conservative governments for a decade and more. I think he's got to keep, well, I say he's got to keep the triple lock. I think the inflation issue will obviously come into play in March. But in March, he's got some big decisions to make. And the triple lock could be a real vote loser. And no politician wants to give up their job. But he's got to recover this debt from somewhere. And I think state pension age has to move for people under the age of probably maybe 60, but possibly 50. It's going to have to move to 70. Because I think that's an easy way of recovering covering some of the debt well they're four years away from an election you would have thought that if you need to do the kind of metaphorical equivalent of tearing the plaster off the wound <laughs> do it quickly it'll hurt but do it quickly then you know aren't you better if you're playing fantasy chancellor here aren't you better off get doing the triple lock thing early in the hope that the memory will fade by election time rather than saying to everybody you're all gonna have to retire three years later than you thought i think it depends on the demographics of the voters i think mm. state pension it's one of those things we've moved it up we've moved it up and when you look at a lot of the, some of the european countries who are 70 i think that's I think it's an easy one because if you're 30, whether you retire at 67 or 70 doesn't affect you. But I think if you're 66 and in payment of pension and he says he's getting rid of the triple lock, yeah. your guarantee. And if you look at possibly the demographics of some of the ruling government's voters, uh, voting the people who vote for them, they've probably have got a greater portion of the silver-haired voters. And that's not going to go down well. So I think he's got this. But you're right. If he's going to do it, he'll do it sooner. But I think it would be a very controversial move for a Tory chancellor to rid them of the triple lock. What about private pensions then? I mean, what should you be thinking about them in January? I mean, obviously they're not for everybody, but if you've got one, what should you be thinking about right now? I think the best way I can explain why you should have a pension is you get tax relief at either 20% or 40% currently. And the markets, whilst they've picked up considerably, are still volatile. The best example somebody gave me is that before Christmas, a lot of people went and bought their Christmas presents on Black Friday because it was at discount. So when you look at some of the markets at the moment over the last 12 months, they've been trading at a discount and people sometimes go, I don't want to invest at the moment, but you'll buy your presents when there's a discount. Why wouldn't you buy your investments? And pensions are still a really good long-term bet. They're a really good long-term decision. And if you're in a company scheme where you're paying 5% and your employer is giving you three, you're getting an automatic 3% boost 
on your 5%, so virtually a 60%, sorry, a 40% uplift. Brilliant. And even if you're just doing a personal pension where your employer isn't, the government give you either 20 or 40%. So it's basically free money. Yeah, it is. And, well, it sounds like sounds like a Sunex speech that there's free money, but, <laughs> but it is free money. Someone's giving it to you for investing in a product that you're going to need at some stage. And I think what we sometimes get confused about is all the different tax wrappers. All a pension is is an investment that's going to help you have some income with tax breaks when you when you stop working. Is there any age that's kind of too late to be thinking about this? He said, staring down the barrel on his 54th birthday. <laughs> no, I think what well, I have had people come in here on their 58th birthday and say, I've got a pension. What do I do with it? And I, I said, either go to Cheltenham or go to a church. You either pray or gamble because it is too late <laughs> at that stage. You have, you have to sort of plan these things. And I would say to everyone, when we're talking New Year's resolutions, look at what you need and plan it. A pension is not for everybody because there are other areas that you can use. But it's a very good tax efficient way of making money. You have to look at it and go, you shouldn't leave it too late. And if you have left it to your 58 and you want to retire in 10 years, then you need to go and take advice to see what is the best way. And sometimes it's downsizing your house. There are just different areas. Well, you said the magic words tax efficient just then. <laughs> and you wanted to talk about tax efficient savings plans thinking about them in january which is obviously a very good idea there's loads of you know we talk about pensions there's isis venture capital trusts business property release all this kind of thing lots of people's portfolios took a real kick in in 2020 but the stock markets are, kind of, are rising now aren't they apparently the average u.s equity fund is up 17 percent. are you optimistic about next year yeah i am i think i think the market's recovered i know the FTSE was down but the u.s market recovered very quickly because of the technology stocks but overall, most people's portfolios recovered quite well. And when you've got a mixture of bonds and equities, whether it's US, European, Japanese equities, and if we go back over a decade, you've had the global financial crisis. We've had the Cypriot bank crisis, which people can't remember. We've had property up and down. And I think the markets have now priced in Brexit. They've priced in the vaccine becoming available widely by the end of the year. And I think, again, if people looked at the stock market, they go, well, I don't like to invest in it. But they get off a plane, which is generally from a British Airways or Virgin or Thomas Cook, which are public listed companies. You get on a plane that was Boeing that was listed. You fill it with petrol at your car, which is BP. You go and get a snack from, you get a Mars bar, which is a public listed company. And then you get in your car, which you bought off a company that was a stock market company. So most of the people, people who are listening to this invest in the stock market through their spending anyway you might as well get a bit of the increase in those companies values by investing in it that is of course contingent on people still doing all of those things i haven't been on a plane <laughs> yeah. in age and i've got a couple of, but imagine yeah. that it's going to come back at some point so t tell us what we should be thinking about in january about t tax efficient savings in particular like your isa for instance what should you be doing right now if you've got the, the affordability everyone should maximize their twenty thousand pound annual allowance for isas and if people are having issues with higher rate tax and their pensions, Venture Capital Trust offer you a 30% straighter off relief if you invest the money for five years. But there is risk with Venture Capital Trusts. And then I, we were on a phone call recently the, this week with somebody who's not somebody we've worked with before who's got half a million pound that they've inherited and they're sitting it in a bank. 
Now, the reality is that that money, that's going to form part of their inheritance tax estate. If they put it in a business relief scheme two years later, that goes down to their children, their estate, their family with no inheritance tax, a £200,000 saving. Um, So people, I think with inheritance tax planning, you need to involve your family. But I, most people don't want to pay any more tax than they have to. So it's about looking at what a government offers you, which is legal and just. And when governments offer you venture capital trust, giving you a 30% relief, and they say, if you invest in a business relief scheme and you die two years later, none of that accounts for part of your inheritance tax. Why wouldn't you take advantage of government approved schemes? Why would you pay more tax than you need to? So tell me a bit more about venture capital trust then. What kind of things are they investing in? And is it a particularly good time now? Because we are going through a huge change in the economy. Some industries are permanently downsizing. Some are kind of dying off and others are are being born. What makes a venture capital trust particularly useful and interesting? They're interesting because they're basically startup companies. So if you look at the success stories, you've got uh, Love Film, Zoopla. They were all venture capital companies who sold out for massive amounts of money. You've got Loaf, the furniture company. You've got all of these companies. But if every 10 venture capital companies, that are, uh, venture capital yeah, companies that are launched, two will do really well. Six will trade at marginal successes and two will go bust. So you get a 30% relief from the government for a reason, because it's high risk. But as a time to buy when you're struggling, if you're a 40% taxpayer and you can't get relief because you're earning over the thresholds, they're a good way for a long-term investment. And over 10 years, you can get the relief. It's a bit complicated to go into and it's more visual, but you can get the relief again. You invest for five years, you can withdraw it, keep the money for six months, put it back in and get another 30% relief. But the government don't give you reliefs without a risk. And venture capital trusts do come with risks, but there are some really successful examples. And when you buy into them, you buy into a pooled investment. So there'll be 50, 60 companies there. Five five to 10 will do really well. Five to 10 will go bust. The rest will trade averagely. But you can see a return of five to 6% a year plus your 30% relief. Some people might say, uh, but hang on, Andy, we're about to go into a an historical recession, the likes of which hasn't been seen since 1700 or something, <laughs> in the South Sea bubble and, and, and all these things. Um, what would you say to that? I mean, it, you know, we, people come out of recessions by increased business activity and investment. Uh, this is going to be a big one. Is it a good time to go into these things? There's going to be some companies, no doubt, when not just in the UK, across Europe, when government spending and supporting the economy stops. But the government's support of the economy is not just through COVID. It goes back to really, if you look at it, 2008, where they just keep printing money and calling them gilts. So I suspect what will happen is there are some industries that have changed forever. There are some industries that are going to continue to flourish. I don't think the when um, the vaccine was announced, I think Zoom shares dropped by 12 to 15%. Zoom's not going away. So when you look at some of the industries, so people like the loaf company who sells settees and all these furniture, they're not going away. Will people want to go into a high street to buy a settee? Will they go into a shopping center or will they buy off goods like loaf where they can go and buy something where they don't need to leave the house? They don't need to put petrol in the car and they've got a range of colors they can choose from. 
So I think there will be certain areas that will going to hugely benefit. And I think you're right. There'll be some air, some institutions, some companies who will become the dodo. They'll become extinct because they won't change. And it's a good time to get in, I suppose, as part of that change. And and if you know if your portfolio is going to be uh, you know diverse enough, it's you are going to be able to take advantage of some of those new industries as they materialise. Yeah, but I think the key part with any investment, Andrew, it, it's like everything. You, if you try and beat a market, you generally catch a cold. If you look at an investment and go, I can hold this for 10 years, it's like when you buy your house. I bought a house in 2007 and it dropped in value by 2010 because of the global financial crisis, but it's in profit. Now, if you buy an asset or an investment, you're buying it to hold, and it's a Warren Buffett great expression. What should be your holding pattern? And he goes, forever. Although last year he made a mistake on airline stocks and got out. But generally, if you do your research, you buy for 10 years. Even if you accept that you made a mistake, the fund manager can make a mistake, rebuy you into something else. But when you put, whether it's a pound, a thousand or a hundred thousand pound, you need to give it 10 years. And if you do that, you're always rewarded. Something else you mentioned that we should look at just before we wrap up are uh, estate plans, uh, particularly for homes. Do you want to have to give your your home or your parents' home to the states for long-term care, for instance? What kind of things should people be thinking about in January about that, particularly big assets like houses? Okay, well, we're all worried about what's going to happen in the March, about what Sunak's going to, how he's going to change taxes. One of the greatest things that people have lived on in this country has been inheritances. But a piece of research by HMRC has proved that third generation money is only 18% of a legacy. So basically it gets taken in tax and sideways disinheritance. The, pe- the reason sort of rich people tend to get richer is because they use trusts and they make sure their money is protected. And the best example I can probably give you is the royal family. It's when Fergie married uh, Prince Andrew, which I know is probably looking back quite a comical thing to say at the time. But if you look back, she went on Oprah Winfrey, got paid a million pounds and said the royal family weren't giving her any money. They don't have any money. It's all held in trust. Now, the trust rules have changed over the years, but you can still hold up to a million pounds between a couple in a trust for legitimate reasons. You can get your house up to 650000 with no mortgage in a trust and it protects it. But too many people look and go, it will be okay until it's too late. And it generally affects most people listening to this. It's getting their parents to do something that would leave them the asset. And if you leave it too late and your parents lose capacity, it can affect your inheritance massively. And it's a real shame when there are tax breaks available, when people don't take advantage of them, because these aren't rules that are not on Her Majesty's revenue sites. They're there for everyone to take advantage of, but people don't because I think they're generally frightened. They think it's for the rich, but actually it's for everybody and the rules are there and the allowances are there for people to use. So what people need to do listening to this is just scribble down on your notepad, find out about property, trust with a question mark next to it. Yeah, I think what's a really good thing for people to do, whether they've listened to this podcast or at the start of the year, is to sit there and go, if something happened to my parents, would I lose any money? Would something, if I became ill, what would happen to my lifestyle, whether I'm single or if I'm married with children? Would my family cope? Would I cope? And then it's to say, with disposable income I get, 
what is the best way to invest it for an uncertain future? Because you're right, the future is uncertain. But to give myself as much protection against illness and tax and forward planning as I can. Andy, that's probably the right thing to be thinking about in this weird, quiet, dark month. <laughs> bit of medium, bit of long term, stuff to chew on there. Finally, do you think 2021 is going to be, broadly speaking, a, a good time to save? What with all of the strange things that are coming down the line? I think it's a great time to save because I think you've still got uncertainty in the markets. I think people should invest lump sums over a monthly basis. Never put, Don't put all the money in in one go. You spread it over a number of months. I think... As I said to you, people went out and spent record numbers on Black Friday. People want to go to Next when it was open and you could get sales shopping. There are se several areas that are trading massively undervalued that will recover. And I remember after 2008 and, uh, and nine, and people said to me, should I keep investing? And those people who invested, who kept paying on a monthly basis, were handsomely rewarded. People who invested last year were handsomely rewarded. And I don't think... 2021 will be any different in fact i think there'll be less volatility unless this vaccine doesn't work then there'll be huge volatility but the markets i think have priced in a lot of the bad stuff now and i think it's a really good time to invest and let's face it what's the alternative banks are paying nothing and in fact banks are losing you money because it's less than inflation cheltenham you can't go down anymore because it's closed. So the reality is you should invest for your own future and that of your loved ones and dependents because, but again, it's taking that 10 year view. Andy, thanks for filling us in and giving us a to-do list for January. I'm going to go off and do what normal people do in January, which is panic and do their tax. <laughs> I haven't done my tax yet. Uh, how about you? How are you going to spend January? January is always a busy month for us. So I'll be working, I'll be walking, I'll be cycling, I'll be on the phone. I'll just, I think Andrew, you've got to make the best of what this current climate is in terms of the economics but also the covid and we'll be reaching out to people to speak to people and just hopefully celtic can close on a massive gap with rangers but i think that takes more i think that's more of a miracle than anything else <laughs> just as long as you're not on the phone while you're on your bike uh, that's all yeah. i have <laughs> <laughs> listeners we'll be back uh, next month so why not subscribe on your favorite app so you don't have to wait for andy to mail you and remind you that it's your money is coming out andy good talking to you mate talk to you next time see you soon andrew it was good <laughs> thanks everyone see you next time <laughs>